The Invocation of the Storm. This is Jack Donovan, and you are listening to or watching PH2T3R, the Journal of Solar Culture. And today I invited C.B. Robertson on to talk with me about my new project that just got, got released recently. It's called Invocation of the Storm. It is available on YouTube. You can go watch it now if you want to. Uh, we're going to play a clip in a second. Or, you know, it's also available on Spotify and iMusic and stuff as a single. Uh, I don't know whether to call it a song or a spoken word performance or what, but it's on the uh, PH2T3R account on uh, all these major music streaming sites and so forth. So you can listen to it. There's even remixes. Um, I'm going to explain a little bit, give you a little introduction to what it is, and then uh, me and uh, C.B. Robertson are going to dig into it a little bit. He has some interesting observations about it, and we can kind of back and forth and dig into the concepts behind it a little bit. So right now I'm going to play a clip for you to kind of introduce you to the piece itself if you haven't seen it yet. See how it burns! Bulls! Now is your time to burn like the sun! Rise up while you live and become what you are! Drive back this darkness! Be my thunder! Be my fury! Be my storm! And the Father says... All right, so Invocation of the Storm, what is this? Uh, because I've been having trouble describing it, like what it doesn't really fit into any specific genre. But really, what it is is years ago, I decided I, I wanted to do what I do in audiobooks when I'm reading an essay or um, reading an audiobook or something. And uh, I wanted to bring that to life in the way that I see it, in my own mind's eye. So, and basically, I had written this as a speech for a ritual years ago, and it was actually a ritual that grew out of my my uh, personal record PR um, visualization for the gym. And what it is, and it, you know, obviously, it, it encapsulates everything that I cared about and care about, um, because that's that's what we use to get motivated for things, right? Uh, here's everything good. Here's the conflict that I face, uh, here's, you know, how I become better. And so basically what Invocation of the Storm is, is a myth that is a syncretic myth, meaning that it's not from any one mythic system. It's from, it takes pieces and inspiration from a lot of different mythic systems and kind of distills them into a concise form. So, in this short film, in this in which I play a scene, basically, I am the narrator, and and the narrator talking about the father, which represents all sky fathers, you know, the father archetype that I talk about in Fire in the Dark, and the father you know, rises with the sun. He's you know associated with the sun and solar energy, and you know comes over the mountains and lights up the world and men can see clearly enough to separate object from object and thought from thought and deed from deed. And they, you know, the men use this to bring order to their world. They need the light to bring order to their world. And, you know, in the night, and this is why we do call the order of fire, the order of fire. And we do a fire rituals because, you know, men have been creating fires to replace the sun throughout human history. And, so that's part of this as well. And 
So the father, it's describing, you know, what the father sees. Men, you know, reaching towards truth and beauty and excellence and everything that's good in the world. Children playing and people prospering and, and uh, you know, progress in the world. Not in progress in the big arc of history kind of sense, but progress in like, you know, things are going well. Things are, things are uh, people are, you know, human flourishing is happening. And then it, what happens is that, you know, somewhere in the distance, uh, something starts stirring and uh, we talk about the dragon, which the dragon is this, you know, concept that I've talked about in an essay, which we will call uh, the name of the, the name of the dragon is negation. And I actually say that in the uh, performance in Invocation of the Storm. The name of the dragon is negation. And uh, you can read that essay in which I go into that a little bit deeper. But basically, the dragon is is essentially nihilism. And the, the sense that whatever you do, does it really matter? And it's, it's something that we all have to deal with ourselves, right? So it's this conflict that men have in the world because they see that. They see that everyone dies and you know, people get forgotten after a few generations, you know, it's a story, civilizations disappear, you know, like what, what, what difference does anything make? And, you know, really our job while we're alive is to fight against that. Um, because otherwise, why are we even alive? You know, like, uh, we're here to do something. Uh, and so, then it has the father calling in the gods of the storm, which the, the storm, uh, these are very much inspired by the Maruts uh, from the Rig Veda, but the storm, you know, really symbolizes, especially lightning, like something that strikes down from the heavens, the striker gods. And obviously I've talked about all this in Fire in the Dark. If you haven't read that, I highly encourage it. I think it's one of my best works. Uh, so the father calls in the gods of the storm. And he describes them, and he describes them as in the way that any warriors would want to be described. Self-yoked, bold, and blameless. Hammers of heaven. And so he calls them in and tells them what the dragon's going to say, which is what we're talking about. The, uh, this nihilistic attitude, this, you know, nothing matters. And really, that, that is what I call the voice of the void, really. And you see that even in religions. I think Buddhism, in many cases, is the voice of the void. I think... Uh, um, you know, what Nietzsche called deniers of the flesh is very much the uh, voice of the void. Uh, transhumanism, I think, is the voice of the void. Um, you know, people who hate being in human bodies and hate human life. And and so, you know, he says, well, as long as you're here, you know, even the sun is going to, the sun will go supernova at some point and blow up or whatever. Um, but, you know, while it's here, look how it burns. And that's what I have to say to men, essentially, is while you're here, now is your time to burn like the sun. Now is your time to be whatever you're going to be and do something amazing with your life. Do, or do, just do something good. Um, and so this whole performance, yeah, it's a big rah-rah speech, but I think there's a really powerful message behind it. And... So that's why I wanted to bring on uh, C.B. Robertson to come and talk about it today and, and talk about some of the different ideas because uh, he always has really good insights and kind of we play off each other pretty well, I think. Uh, so now that I've gotten that in, done that inter introduction there, um, I'm just going to turn it over to C.B. Robertson. We had kind of pre-funked and he had something he wanted to start with. So uh, over to you.
Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, you and I and, and other members of the order have been talking for, um, you know, a, a while now about, you know, idealism and, and what does this person mean by idealism versus that person by idealism. But for, you know, it, it can get very, uh, it, people can get very lost in in like philosophical idealism but it feels like what we've always but what you really have been always talking about and what i think a lot of people look for in idealism is is not like a reality that's truer than the physical world but 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 uh aspirational ideals artistic visions that make the physical world um more awe-inspiring and impressive and that can themselves change the physical world into something beautiful and awe-inspiring by the power of the image by the by the vision it inspires in people um with sort of the power of art in its in its highest form and and so it, it feels like there's this david foster wallace idea from back in the was it the 90s or so that uh you know, irony is is killing our culture, and that the the hipster uh, self consciousness, the unwillingness to look silly by maybe being too serious about something, inhibits that artistic impulse into something uh, restrained and ironic and Bill Maher esque, um, and art like this, and perhaps all great art prior to this, um, just blows past that um in in defiant and absolutely not even self-confident because self-confident implies a focus on yourself it's right. it's really focused on the vision be, beyond yourself and it's uh i think it's uh i think one of the attractions of art like this at least for for me and i'm sure for a lot of other guys too is that it's it's so rare you know you don't see this kind of um this kind of direct expression of visions of the divine um in in that full-throated way um if i could if i could jump from that to an artistic question the the speech mentions the color gold and sunshine and all this stuff and it's filmed in black and white um can you explain the 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 artistic decision behind that? Because that was the first thing that jumped to my mind, and it makes it the juxtaposition of the wording and the image is eye catching. Yeah, it's a good question. Like, why is it in black and white? Uh, and one of the reasons was, I mean, I was inspired visually, and it's interesting because I, we talk about AI and so forth. Uh, I think it's AI tends to be really good for brainstorming. And I went through a whole patch where I was uh, making AI images uh, and using uh, Kira Kurosawa films. Uh, Kira Kurosawa and like 1950s cinematography, black and white cinematography as a prompt uh, for mytho mythic images. Uh, and I made a big batch of them and I put some of them out in reels and so forth at some point. But I really liked that vibe. And then at the Order of Fire, we did uh, Samurai Month and watched some, some of those and, and uh, uh, I just really liked the idea of separating it out in that way and it, it feeling mythic uh, because it was a little different 
And, you know, like this is like, what movie is this from? Like, that would be the ultimate co compliment to this thing is that someone's like, what movie is that from? Because it has the subtitles and everything across the bottom. That was my vibe for it as I went into it. And that, that, uh, uh, even when I talked to an editor about that, and they're like, why are you doing that? I'm like, no, that's, that, that's the way I see it. I've seen it in my head that way since I, before I like rented the photographer, you know, before I rented the cinematographer and and the space and the all that stuff. I mean, I that was the way I saw it, so that's why I just kind of stick stuck with that. And we even, um, I even put uh, layers of diffusion over me through most of it, um, so that it looked a little bit more like film, because mm -hmm. you know it was filmed in like. 4k or above that so really you could see every pore of my skin if you wanted to in fact i never trimmed my ear hair and you can see that in some of these <laughs> but uh uh yeah so it I, I wanted to do that and also to be honest i mean uh you know this isn't a, a, a studio budget film and uh the technical ability of filming it on a green screen then you have then you're doing color matching to different backgrounds and uh i just didn't know how technical that was going to be i wasn't sure who was going to edit it at that point i was like that could be really expensive and uh you know it's, i would love to do something like that i mean and also i would love to film i, I could have just filmed it outside we have the best some of the best clouds in the world uh in arizona uh but uh you know okay so i have to go find a mountain to stand on or something and then obviously then I have to have film crew uh, to do this. So that's another big thing. So this was something manageable that I could, uh, I basically rented a, what they call like a, a psych wall or a psycho room and a, a big green screen, you know, studio uh, to film this in. And then uh, I found this, uh, this great uh, photographer, uh, he's Morgan sides. And uh, he, he was really into the project. And that's really important when you're working on something like this is that, you know, I have to get someone who understands what I'm laying down. You know, I don't want to have some dude who's like kind of like some Hollywood hipster, whatever, who thinks everything I say is stupid, uh, working on my great passion project that, that can't, that can't be real. Uh, but so yeah, I talked to Morgan and he was, he's, I, I, I think I found him cause he, he does a lot of gun photography and, uh, you know, like he, he works with a lot of, uh, like gun instructors and so forth. And so I figured he would get, get where I was going with this. And he did, and he was really cool to work with. We had a lot of fun uh, filming it. And uh, and I ended up doing the editing myself um, because I realized that I was too artistically invested not to. Like I had to make every single choice, you know, and then it's all my fault, you know, if it's, you know, like whatever, something doesn't work, but I had to be able to explore all the options. And man, I spent so many hours picking out the right footage and the right shots and and everything like that and it had to be it had to come from me uh and that's i always joke about myself like jack Donald doesn't scale uh because <laughs> i mean i was i've also designed all my book covers except for the last one and uh and, and then i just art directed it you know like I, I hired someone to do it but uh you know I, I i do a lot of my a lot of the levels of my work so that yeah it would be cool to have it in color and be you know that kind of it would be a different vibe though, a, a different vibe. And I like, it feels mythic because it's black and white, I think more so because it's not in the way that I guess, remember, we always talk about how Greek statues were painted, but we, yeah. but in the modern world, we see them as being like, like, you know, empty eye and, and, and uh, white uh, marble. 
they look better that way. I like. I I think so too. It just seems yeah. more alien and different. We know that they're different, you know, because it's, and this is a mythic world that I was trying to create. Yeah, and there's like a there's like an elegant simplicity to that, as opposed to the ostentatious gaudiness that you're was probably more common in Mediterranean culture. Um, <laughs> you see modern Greeks and Italians compared to you know, Norwegians or something. Um, and you see it here in the United States too. You know, you go down to like a Texas, you know, uh, Mexican Catholic church, as opposed to going up to Minnesota and seeing some like Lutheran church. It's a slightly different aesthetic style. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. That kind of clean look there, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, yeah, it's just there's something there's something a little bit more mysterious and mythic about black and white in that way. Uh, so yeah. I, I did like it for that reason as well. Well, and and I mean, to sort of shift tenses in terms of black and white, one of the descriptors of the um, the unnamed son here is um, for in his light the darkness of the unknown retreats, and then can see clearly enough to separate objects from object and. There's this list of distinctions given, right? Um, drawing lines, separating actions, names, and values. Um, you could almost you could almost fit black and white into that in terms of making distinctions. Um, we can ignore grayscales or whatever, but um, like th there's something uh, there's something of the sun in the artistic act itself, perhaps in ascribing value and drawing distinctions, um, which is um, maybe most uh, powerfully done in myth, but is is done in, in slightly lower forms of art too, like in novels or paintings and sculptures and other things. You know, what what's focused on in this, you know, uh, anatomic photograph? Is it the trapezius muscles or is it the face or is it, you know, whatnot yeah yeah and and that's and that's what brings also to a big point of what's packed into this maximus speech <laughs> you know like that it's, it's at one point it's like the, it, i would say there's only one speech that men actually want to hear and that is the speech whereas if not us when <laughs> if not now when if not us who is that like there there's well, a, it's all it's all those shakespeare's brand of brothers once more into the breach yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all it's all the same. I've given it before. I've, I've made that point before, like on stage at a 21 convention. Uh, and, you know, like it's there's a very specific thing that men want to hear. Uh, that's the before the battle speech. And it gets all of us turned up. <laughs> and, you know, like it, it's what it, it's the right speech. And you, I always say that you have to like not abuse that power because it could be it can be used in a really gnarly. It can be really used in a gross way because you sometimes some guys just want to get turned up. And so you just kind of spin them up like a top and send them in a direction, uh, you know, so you don't want to just do that ir ir irresponsibly. But so on one level, it's that kind of speech, but also I'm really outlining ideas from fire in the dark in that beginning part. That's what, what is solar? What does it do? Well, what does the sun do? What does light and wisdom do? Well, it allows you to make, give names and makes values and, and uh, draw lines and, make distinctions between one thing and another. And that's 
that's how we order the world. You know, men right. order the world because there's light. There, there's light there. I mean, you, you could make really a distinction like you know, outside arguments, but like, well, what about blind people? But <laughs> other than that, that that's the the you know that's the exception of trying to make the rule. Uh, for most of us, that's how we if we see things. Okay, well, that's that's real. I can see it. I can see it. I can touch it. Um, and now I can name it and separate it from another thing. And that's that's how men slowly just order the world. And I was always say like vocabulary is a taxonomy of all things. You know, you can you just like you just start classifying things and right. and just get more and more specific as time goes on. And then language becomes really, really, really ornate because everything has become really specific. When we were we were talking the other day just about like jargon, like then it becomes specific to an industry. It has a group, specific group of people, yeah. and uh, you know, it becomes very you know like. I'm sure if you talked electrician to me, I would have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) But it's specific for a reason, you know? Yeah. But, but that, and that, that jargon or or the technical language can get really um, devious when it uh, delegitimizes our sense data, when it delegitimizes what we can see with our own eyes. Um, It can become, uh, shall we say, Nocturnal isn't exactly the right word, but um, shadowy. It can be it can yeah. be very opaque, and uh, like oh, you're don't trust your lying eyes. This is right. the phrase that gets thrown around a lot. It's like the, you have to trust not just our data, but our particular analysis of the data, which you're not qualified to understand. And um, the 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 clear light of the sun and the distinctions that we can all see are kind of. Uh, denied or, or occluded. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's exactly the same as the dragon of negation, but it, it has some some dragon-like qualities, right? To that, and that's um, and that's a good point. I'm glad that you brought that up because it kind of segs into what the you know another part of the level of meaning uh, that's built into this because it's not just like hey we got to go feed the bad guys on the other team. It's it's really about nihilism itself, right? And it's about negation itself. And anyone who wants to get more specific about that, uh, you know, obviously I have a, I, I've read it as an essay on uh, this YouTube channel um, as, as a podcast, but also, you know, it's on our uh, Patera site um, the, you know, about the name of the dragon is negation. And that's, of course, a line that's in this. And so I built what the dragon is really about that. And that's, it, it, it's a, uh, you know, this idea, it's a problem that I think a lot of modern men are facing right now, especially and really you can take it all the way back to like this dealing with the Nietzschean death of God mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of what what is life about? <laughs> you know, like it's a lot of religious people say, well, without without God, there's nothing but nihilism and it's not, no, there's no meaning to anything. And, uh, you know, that's that's a common argument that's made. And people really believe that, and and well, I it's think a, yeah. it's an annoying argument because the people who make that argument always argue out of both sides of their mouth. They'll right. say, "If you don't believe in our God, then you must believe in nothing." But then right. in another conversation, they'll say, "Oh, you're making this thing into a God. You're making that thing into a God. You're making this thing into an idol." They're like, "Okay, which is it? Yeah. No, are there other gods or are there not?" Well, there are, but they're false gods. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Right. And then it becomes exactly. a conversation about truth and what is truth. Well, this is this is this one is true because it's it's the definition of truth itself. Like, oh, that's convenient. 
who has yeah. discovered language. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's, Anyway, I don't mean to go down that that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard I mean, to resist when the nihilism it, subject comes up because it does it, get weaponized in in a couple different directions. Right, and I think that you know, like, well, what is you know meaning? You know, like at that point, you know, and, and it's it's a valid question. I think it's something a lot of guys struggle with, um, and, and you know, something I struggle with. I mean, we've talked a lot about you know things growing on the world. What's what matters? What doesn't matter? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, well, and that's why I kind of why I came on to a few years ago, uh, whatever, um, you know, why you live shine. And this idea, yeah. you know, of, well, you only get so much time. I, yeah, I was, I was, a, I was one of the annoying, like, uh, I don't want to say Christopher Hitchens because he's really smart, but like one of the, uh, <laughs> or what, whatever the dude who has TDS now. Uh, but, um, I mean, I was like that kind of atheist as a kid, you know, like mm-hmm. as a young man, that was the kind sure. of atheist I was. And, uh, but I always had the exact opposite response to that since I like, I, I didn't, you know, like I went, I was raised Catholic, but I like was over that by the time I was probably 12. I was like, Nope, that's some bullshit. That was like, to me, that was, that was my first, uh, trust the science. Uh, they were like, well, you got to have faith and trust the science of the same phrase to me in my mind, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. it, they, you know, it, it, they would answer my 12 year old questions with, well, you have yeah. to have more faith. And, yeah. and, like, and like, that sounds like some bullshit. It's, it's a childish care. understanding of what faith is, even within yeah. Christianity, just like trust the science is an oxymoron. That's not what science is. Right. Right. Um, so, so, you know, I was, you know, I, I was, you know, rebelled against that as a, as a kid and, uh, but my reaction to it was like, if you don't live forever in eternity, um, then it made me very concerned about death. Like it made me like, like I have so much stuff to do. I'm going to die someday. I have so much stuff to do. <laughs> like, like uh, I maybe want to fill my life with life. Mm-hmm. Rather than maybe want to go do things and experience things, and so and and uh, I have I'm I'm supposed to be a big de- yeah as a kid I thought I was going to be supposed to be a big deal of some kind. Uh, <laughs> like, some people just have that kind of confidence, you know, uh, or whatever thought of themselves. Maybe it's just because I was the first uh, grandchild on both sides. Uh, I thought I was special, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know I I really you know I felt like I had things to do in life, and uh, that that was it was important that I got them done rather than, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't like, Oh, well, I'm not going to live forever so that I could just, so I should just, you know, drink myself into oblivion or just, you know, play video games or just waste my life. It was more like, I only have so much time. It was yeah. much more of a memento mori kind of, uh, realization. And I would, I've been that like, like that since I was a kid. Now I wouldn't describe myself as that kind of atheist now at this point in my life. Sure. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but that was more, that's kind of been my motivating thing for my whole life. So really this has been a message for me for a long time in terms of like, well, you know, uh, now is your time to burn like the sun. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, uh, well, this is be your, what you are, you know, I, I spent some time in that world too. I, I, I ran a chapter of the secular student Alliance when I was at college. Uh, uh, <laughs> I also attended Muslim student association meetings for a few months. So I uh, got around, but um, no, that there, there, there are some good sentiments from that community. It isn't all mindless, you know, Parisian utilitarianism. It's like uh, 
Dawkins had that famous speech, you know, we are all going to die and that makes us the lucky ones. And he went through the biology of all the possible genetic combinations, the possible human beings that could be, but would never be. And we're among the few organisms that get a few decades to do things, to explore things, to come to understand the universe and how amazing of an opportunity is that with the, with the ability to appreciate some of those things, to understand. Um, it, it almost felt crass to include a song lyric in an essay, but I, it was too good not to. There's a, a tool lyric where uh, he sings, repugnance is the creature who would squander the ability to lift an eye to heaven, conscious of his precious time here. And the first time I heard that, I was like, what more is there to be said about that? You know, how how else could one phrase that better? You know, you you have these abilities, you have the, the capacity to become strong, to appreciate your world, to do things. What a waste if you if you don't. Um, what a what a lost opportunity. And um, it's something I think christians can get on board with too they just have this additional idea of you have the ability to have the relation a relationship with your creator why would you not want to take advantage of that but you can subtract that and you still have all the other wonderful um virtues you can develop and and that's one of the other things i liked about this this speech this i um what was the line he says uh, the, the sons of day dream and reach towards virtue like sprouting trees stretching upward towards truth and beauty and excellence. And it's it, the, the, the word you use is arite, which is, yeah. is used in the Iliad to describe, you know, excellence and, and uh, men who are on their, their rampage, their moment of glory. It's their aristeia. Um, but there's, they're stretching upwards towards the sun. And at the, at the peak of the Aristea, uh, many of the heroes are described as daimoni isos, which is like a, like a superhuman force, almost like a god. And as they stretch higher, they approach the sun in this way. Um, and I, I especially like the, like the sprouting trees metaphor, uh, not just because they're reaching up, but, but um Greg Nage describes how um, the Cleos uh, Amphiton, the, the, which is the phrase to describe the, the immortal glory of the heroes who die on the battlefield, is it's not quite undying, it's unwilting glory. And it's this, it's, it's a plant metaphor. It's plants that don't wilt, that, that grow forever. And I forget which plant specifically it was, but the the opposite of virtue, the opposite of decayed straightforwardness is hubris, which was also a plant metaphor. It, it, it described wild growth. And um, there's an amusing passage in the ancient Greek hero where he talks about um, like, like old gardening texts from like the fifth century BC or whatever, where um, pruners are like, are like punishing the plants for their hubris, but it's like, it, it's, it's not, it's, that's not really the connotation, but that's literally what they're describing. They're, they're trimming them to be nice and straight, but they're, they're like punishing their immorality, by <laughs> trimming them into shape. And so, um, you know, the, the like trees sprouting upward towards the sun in pursuit of truth, beauty, 
excellence and all of the solar qualities or the qualities that the sun illuminates is a it, it, it sounds like just a vertical metaphor but it's a it's a very deep and very old metaphor that goes back to a variety of different uh, especially but not exclusively uh, Homeric uh, phrases and ideas yeah yeah and, and just generally in that, in that part of it uh, you know I, I really feel like I laid out I think a vision that a lot of men can agree with of what is good you know what is good okay the father's in the sky over the, the thing you know men are trying to be you know they, they build fires and they they you know, they're you know, their they're children playing and there's 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 peace in the world and they're they're trying to be the best versions of themselves they're trying to find truth and beauty and excellence and and uh um this is the world when it's good <laughs> like this is you know like i tried to lay all that out and and i think that that's something that a lot of people can get on board with there's not a lot to disagree with there except for unless you're one of those people who like is like excellence is oppressive uh but uh you know which is a lot of people but uh uh you know i mean i think that you know the desire to be better and to do better and so yeah. forth is is where we want to be headed uh in, in life and so forth and so like that's you know and of course the father would like no but yes you know like, that's 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 correct that's that's what you should be doing there's you know? like a there's an almost freudian take you could you could make where where it's like what is good is what would be pleasing to your father if you were a kid like what what makes your dad proud yeah and um i mean th that could almost sound critical until you realize like what makes your dad proud is probably what's valued by men across all time. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause your dad's a man and you know, what makes your dad proud is probably going to be valuable to other men and to other people generally. And, um, one of my favorite commentators at the moment, um, Scott Adams has, has put out this strange cryptic idea that he says, you know, our country is in trouble. We've got, uh, you know all these problems in our culture and stuff but he says can he says can you feel it there's a there's an energy and there's a desire that and he's like i can i can see in the future dad's coming home mm. and he says i don't know what that means i don't think trump is dad I, I, he's like i don't know exactly what that's going to be but there's a there's a masculine father energy that is accumulating in the public psyche that's going to emerge somewhere and, and dad coming home means a return to order to the things that work. Um, and he's been referring to all the, the reasonable people online as the internet dads, a lot of like dad energy talk in general. And yeah, the fact that Jordan and, like, is like a dad, he's exactly. like, he's reasonable dad advice. I've always he, said that. He gets basic dad advice. <laughs> exactly. I think I think Jordan Peterson is number two or three on his list of internet dads. Yeah. He's yeah. very high up. And you know, whether you believe his prediction or his invocation or <laughs> whatever it is or not, um, I think what's more important is that when he says that, everyone knows what he means. Everyone knows what it means when dad comes home. And so we you have that I this immediate understanding of what you know, when the father watches over the land, uh, what that's like. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I, I've said before, and, and uh, we haven't really explained it this much in this, this podcast. You're kind of assuming that the viewer has read fire in the dark or knows what I'm talking about with our masculine archetypes. Uh, but 
I mean, that's generally how I explain, you know, the father archetype is it's you're like, you look up to your father first. It's like the first man that you look up to, you know, unless you didn't have one, but like you're so, you know, there's a father figure. Uh, you're like, what is a man? You know, what, what is, what am I going to grow up to? If you're a young boy, it's like, what about, what is a man? And what is that? And I, I guess I should be more like that. And then at a certain point you realize that your father isn't, you can't be your father because he's himself. Uh, but there's a thing beyond him that is man and father. And that's, that's something above and beyond, which would naturally be in the sky. <laughs> you know, like that's why all these religions have <laughs> sky fathers, like they're, they're the father above the father. Right. Uh, you know, and, and you know, and the, what he would do the same thing that your father does. Oh, oh watches over you. Try to make sure you don't hurt yourself. Like, da, 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 or make sure maybe you need to hurt yourself <laughs> or like, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, he'd watch out benevolently, benevolently and try and keep an ordered household and kind of keep things together um, so that everything can function so that you can grow up to be strong or whatever. And uh, yeah. But, but in that benevolence, part of male benevolence um, is a willingness to bring on violence in the face of the threat. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a little bit unlike female benevolence, except in extreme cases. And well, I mean, we've talked, we talked a little bit about the dragon we talked a fair bit about the the sun, but we haven't talked about the bulls, the our, our right. maruts here, and you know bringing these forces to bear against chaos is a uh, is a very interesting role because um, and it's one of the things that sets the invocation of the storm apart from many of the myths that you're drawing from because with like Indra just straight up like murders things uh, yeah. and Thor. Uh, does a lot of that too. Mm -hmm. um, but here we have a um, more, more, more Zeus like, a, a Skyfather directing things, and he has his agents that go forth and sort of do things on his behalf. And these, um, these bulls, his, his, these strikers are, uh, I mean, it, for anyone who hasn't, uh, well, uh, let's assume that our audience hasn't read the Rig Veda here. Um, right. <laughs> I think that's safe with most audiences. <laughs> <laughs> who, who are these, who are these bulls? Yeah. Well, they, they were inspired by certainly. And that's why I think the invocation of the storm, um, although that could apply to like all these storm gods or whatever, but uh, uh, long story short, there's the, in, in the Rig Veda, there's and people always think that this is Hindu, but it's pre Hindu. Uh, and it's uh there's the, the main God really is Indra and Indra is a storm God. And, uh, he has a lightning weapon and, you know, he, he himself is a warrior God and he has this kind of posse of other storm gods. Uh, and they, you know, kind of follow him and they back him up and they go fight with him. And, uh, we call it all throughout the, the Rig Veda, both Indra and the Maruts are referred to as bulls. And uh, when I, you know, obviously that's because, you know, you have cattle raising cultures and, and uh, they see bulls and they see what bulls are and men liken themselves to bulls in, in many cases. And so it's this honorific that they give you bulls, yeah. you bulls. And so that's why, I mean, I, I started using it uh, with the order of fire, but yeah, you know, I actually written parts of this piece before that, before even the order of fire was, was a twinkle in my eye. Uh, it was 
you know, this bowls as an honorific. I love that. Like you bowls. Uh, and I just, it, I thought it was the most high test way to call out a bunch of guys. <laughs> and so, yeah, he's calling these, these storm gods in. Um, and yeah, in, in some of the myths, depending on the, in the, the, the frame, you know, like, uh, you'll you have the main God is the one who does the fighting too. Uh, I like to see it in the bigger picture of how things I think actually work in male hierarchies is that you have, yes, a striker who's an ascended striker who becomes king. And then he sometimes goes out. I mean, we, uh, I was talking to a guy today who was uh, making the point that Alexander the Great always like he was a spear that led his own armies into battle. So, yeah, I guess he was more of an Indra. Uh, and the, the rest of the guys were his marots. But uh, uh, it's uh, yeah. generally speaking, the way most you know, human societies have worked, is that there's a king who decides when we go to war and makes the rules and whatever, and maybe he's out there too. And often they were, you know, like, uh, uh, and that's kind of probably when the world is right and the world is when kings still fight wars, uh, or, or at least are present. <laughs> you, know, there's a, uh, you know, there's a fun passage in a Nassim Taleb book uh, called Skin of the Game about how before a certain year, and I don't remember what year it was, but like, 85 or 90 percent of monarchs and world leaders died either by poisoning or on the battlefield nice and like like 10 percent died of old age and that's changed a little bit uh, yeah i think i think alexander the great gave a famous speech before his his to be silver legion mm-hmm. where he actually took like he, he actually asked if anyone I, i'm probably misremembering this but I think at one point he asked if anyone had more uh, battle scars than he did. And it was very unlikely. You know, he, yeah. he was always at the front to the point where when he was leading under his father back in Macedon, like there were special guys there just to try to like protect him. Cause he would always charge in like ahead of his army. Right. And they're like, no, no, we can't let him die quite quite that fast he's like 16 or 17 when he's doing that yeah uh yeah yeah but yeah i mean i think that and and really the metaphor works uh from the invocation of the storm it works whether the god is fighting or not uh it works whether the main you know the 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 father is fighting or not uh because it's still the band of brothers speech it's like you know like you would still say that if you were the guy leading your guys in the battle you would still want them to be your lightning uh, you know, go out yeah. and, be, and be the storm, be, be the storm, you know? So, um, you know, I think it's a very universal message in terms of like, that's, you know, if you're calling a bunch of guys to go into battle and do this, you know, we always kind of joke when we talk about in the order that the Maritz are kind of his like special forces, uh, you know, that, that are around him. And uh, so, you know, you're calling these guys out, these other badasses out to go do things, you know, like, uh, you know, but I, I also like, I think the metaphor of lightning, is is really powerful because lightning is deeply associated with the idea of the striker and the idea of striker we didn't really touch on that yet uh but it's very important to this piece is uh the striker is kind of the is the overarching warrior figure uh that's the the ascended striker you know is the king the, the father figure who's like the wise he's he's done the fighting he's already been a man and then he's had to be you know take on this leadership role because not every man leads 
but a leadership role is a different role. So he has to take that on himself. Yeah. Um, but then he, you know, all these other people were doing the job that he either still does or used to do. Yeah. Sort of the, the director of the lightning in order to enforce the boundaries and the lines that were drawn in the light of the sun. Exactly. And, and um, you know, without some, you know, competent ordering principle, some, some competent father and a, and a wise and benevolent father, um, as you were saying before, men can get turned up and riled up to go do all kinds of destructive things out anywhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and, and that, that sort of goes to, if I could jump around a little bit, the conclusion of this video is, right. you know, kind of a call to action, mm -hmm. a, a, you know, the, the time of heroes is not over and hero itself has, has a number of interesting uh, meanings because in, in the sort of post-Homeric world, it's like heroism is tied up with immortality and song and right. with, you know, a romantic death uh, while you're still young and you're this idealized bridegroom and it, it, there's all this stuff going on. But it's very but, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. But before, but before that, yeah, before Homer back in the, in, in step culture where this, this new old myth sort of seems to be set. Right. A hero was just a protector. A hero was meant, uh, I think it literally translates as protector. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these other connotations of these other things came afterwards. It was a, it was a role, not unlike a striker in some ways. I think some people have translated as champion in the way that like a berserker or knight would have been. Um, yeah. And I like that as well. I think I use that in Fire in the Dark. I use a champion of order is actually what I use to describe what a striker is. Right. It, 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 it's like someone has to defend that order that we've created. Yeah. In the way, yeah. in, the, in the context of like the way of men, if you have a perimeter, someone has to go out and be the tip of the spear who goes and actually like keeps all yeah. the bad things out or sometimes goes out and expands the territory because that's part of the deal as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I think that just that's and the symbolism I really like for striker and lightning is uh, you know if we're picturing the father in the sky, well, lightning is fire that comes from the sky. You know, <laughs> like the lightning yeah. is literally like it strikes the earth from the sky. It's clearly like an age, you know, as as an ancient man. Uh, now, okay, it's you know comes from you know storms and stuff, but um, you know as an ancient man that that is. That is fire that comes from heaven, <laughs> you know, like that it comes down and sets things on fire and strikes them, whatever it's, uh, oh God, I almost yeah. say lightning is, is God's direct energy weapon. <laughs> so, Too soon. Too soon. This has creeped in right there. It's like, it's like God's direct energy weapon. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's God, God's hammer on the, uh, uh, on, on the, the things that climb up too high and challenge the existing order i mean it's yeah. the it's the first word of the iliad is is menis it's the yeah. it's the the divine sanction and the wrath against violations of the divine order and the, and the correct hierarchy and it implies a kind of inevitability that people who try to eliminate hierarchy mm -hmm. which is actually a thing some people want um there are there are consequences to that yeah. yeah. Um, 
and those consequences aren't even limited to the people who violated it. But probably um, no. <laughs> yeah, because that would be tidy, wouldn't it? That would be. It would be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, but that's not how. But it. it but it's. Um, I mean, not only is that just descriptively true in the sense of like, oh, if someone breaks the dam, then the guy who breaks the dam is not the only one who gets flooded out. Like it's just right. descriptively true, but it also gives an incentive to be that lightning to be that enforcer of the order and to be a hero, not who gets turned up to go raid a 7-Eleven for fun because you and your buddies got too high and hyped up on, you know, <laughs> on war talk or whatever, but like, but <laughs> yeah, like we're, but because we're not advocating that you yeah, the 7-Eleven. Well, well the, the exact opposite because, you know, the, the, the order and the lines and the clear hierarchy, the, the, the life under the sun is the good thing is the thing to be defended right and the enemy the 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 dragon is in fact the thing that wants to corrode and destroy that exactly. um and like i'm a weirdo uh for me my like hype up like moto speech is like one of james Lindsay's like two hour lectures like you're like uh i could i could go like destroy communists intellectually too <laughs> it's, like, it's like yeah it's a little a little different vibe than than for most people because my right, brain's right. weird but um but it's a like he's a striker of a of a kind and then yeah. and then there are strikers who have you know uh rifles that gun down uh you know coyotes and, and terrorists or whatever yeah. um you know there's different kinds of enforcement uh, in that order um but in all like with the framework itself and the visualization of the sun against the serpent mm -hmm. uh gives you like just visually an, an idea of okay this is this is how i can have an enemy to fight um I don't agree with everything he says, but one of my one of my favorite old school YouTubers, he's not on YouTube anymore because the dragon has worked its way a lot of places, is Stefan Molyneux. Right. Uh had this speech where he was asked someone gave asked him, give me the given how how profitable it can be to be evil, what is the elevator pitch for being good? And his off-the-cuff response was well it's because of love and hatred do you want to be experience true love and do you love the thrill of combat um and he, he did this speech about how like we humans are, are predator species very tricky predators and we like to fight we like combat sports we like to watch and we like to do it and we also love to be appreciated by other people that we admire and look up to and so you know if you want to experience those two things, you have to be good. You have to stand for something and um, take risks. And then you will get that appreciation and you'll get the um, the thrill of engagement. Um, and that's the, that's, that's the case for taking the sun side. The dragon side is a little bit more, uh, you know, under the table, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's why it's it's always a it's a really powerful. It's to the point where it's in the Mexican flag, but it's also all throughout imagery, all throughout everyone in the world is the eagle and the snake. 
Yes. The eagle generally represents the the solar sign of things, and he eagles actually do zoom in down like strikers and snatch up snakes. Uh, and you know, every once in a while, we see one fighting, and but you know, like that's they, they uh, you know, that's what they, they actually do that. And the imagery of that is so powerful. Now, are, are snakes themselves as creatures bad in, 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 in a moral way? Well, probably not. They're just, they just exist in the world. But what they symbolize is a subterfuge. Mm-hmm. And they hide in the shadows. I mean, at least in theory. I mean, last, you, actually, when you see a rattlesnake, it's usually because it's out in the sun sunning itself. But, right. um, you know, they're, they're close to the ground. And we soak the ground for obvious reasons with death. Uh, death and the earth you know, returning to the earth and and on all those things um they we've always chosen as a reputa- representation of of you know dragons and worms and snakes uh you know in all these mythologies are mythological yeah. representations of death really and death is being nothingness really like it, it coming to kind of snatch you away from uh, the world of order and beauty and so forth um and so, you know, that's always represented that. Uh, and, you know, the eagle obviously is this, this kind of majestic creature in the sky who's, you know, terrifying. I mean, they can carry, carry off babies. Uh, you know, so, and, and like deer and stuff. You see like crazy videos and stuff, uh, uh, what eagles can do, these big. Like, like uh, golden eagles, the harpy eagles. Yeah, yeah. Making yeah, off yeah, monkeys yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They can, they're, they're terrifying. Uh, but at the same time, they're also, you know, like, uh, you know, we associate them with the, the, the sky and they're up there all the time and you can see them you know they're not yeah. under a rock <laughs> you know so it becomes a metaphor that we understand is in terms of human behavior in terms of like this direct attack they're proud you know, we see them as being like you know out in the open uh and always watching kind of a father kind of associated with father in the sky and then zooming down yeah. to earth to take things and to take things back to the sky like uh, one of our favorite comments that uh we talk about in the order is is uh the uh, Zoroastrian uh, sky burials. Yes. Like they come for just, you know, birds come and like eat you and take you back to the sky, which is amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like this this version. Uh, and and okay. even the people, even the people who didn't have eagles close at hands to reference, like the Egyptians found yeah. something as close as they could for the sun god with the, with the hawk. Yeah. I'm on raw. Exactly. Um, exactly. So it's a really powerful uh, yeah. association uh you know i put uh, eagles in there for a reason as well you know like that's uh, you know eagles and uh, snakes uh you know like it's 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 definitely uh you know it's a contrast uh, and, and the association with the the snake um even when the the evil isn't a snake it has a lot of those snake-like qualities like you were talking about underground low to the ground hiding creature of the night kind of creepy um I'll probably sound like a broken record because I think I mentioned this before in one of our other conversations, but the, the, the Nietzschean description of the, of the tarantulas. Yes. Always, always comes to mind. It it strikes so perfectly and he could have rewritten it as vipers instead, you know, like asps in their den or, you know, whatever, but like there's something, there's something especially uh, like creepy about, tarantulas maybe it has to do with the german language why he chose that word instead of a snake word it's just kind of a cool word too it is <laughs> it, it, it has a it, just the sound of the word is yeah. uh, conveys that um but i mean it, the 
the description of the tarantulas he gives of, of creatures of secret vengeance and hidden, uh, yeah, uh, hidden violence, essentially, um, is exactly the dragon. Is exactly yes. that the negation and his his rejection of the poison of revenge is the rejection of the negation that follows from uh, from revenge. And that's that's not just his like psychological opinion that comes from his deep reading of you know especially Greek uh, mythology and stories where the blood feud is the big problem. Revenge destroys everything. Right. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's anyway. So I try to think what else we want to. I want to. I want to hit on for the the video because it's it's very. Um, just want to make sure I get to uh, cover all the the bases on it. Yeah, um, I wanted to bring back. Obviously, at the end, uh, it ends with kind of the striker symbol. It ends with. Uh, I mean, obviously, it ends with this uh, call to heroism. Mm-hmm. And I mean it in the sense that we were talking about before, not the uh, glorious death heroism, uh, you know, 72 virgins heroism or whatever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I mean it in the, um, you know. Protector. It, it, well, in the biggest sense of like, I think in the, just the broadest sense, uh, because it can be small or big. Uh, it doesn't have to be like, oh, you have to go die a battle or risk everything to protect somebody. Um, that is that is the highest form of hero. Uh, is to you know, anytime when you're putting your life in, the, in danger for like the group, is kind of or you know, doing something that no one. I always say, I was to use Ian Smith as an example. I used to say, well, he's a hero because he did the thing that no one wanted to do, but everyone wanted to do it. And that's kind of that's that's a pretty good definition for hero generally. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be the thing that you that kills you. It doesn't have to be the thing that uh, uh, it doesn't have to be a, a literal battle. But uh, the guy who steps out and becomes the man in the arena and does the thing that no one wants to do, but everyone knows that it needs to get done. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is uh, a good working kind of basic definition of hero. And then. There's also the biggest sense in what we talked about, like things that would please your father uh, earlier. And uh, the way I think when we talked about like men using this kind of thing is like a gym visualization. Because uh, guys who do really cool things are heroes to other guys. You know, like guys who try really hard at something and make something yeah. of themselves. I mean, uh, we, we kind of joke about guys who become fanboys for like athletes or, or, uh, you know, martial artists or whatever, but uh, it's it's a thing because these guys go and are they're doing a thing that almost no one else can do. Yeah, and so I mean heroic in that way, and, and 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 so it's really also a call for men to call on that heroic part of themselves to do whatever it is they do. I almost put that in at the end, but it was too much. Yeah, you know, but there's uh, like a there's like a you could almost say there's like three different ways one might be you know, inspired by a, a, like a sports athlete, for example. Yeah. Like imagine like a a young kid looking up to a sports athlete and be like, wow, that guy's so cool. I want to be like him. Yeah. And and if you're, if you're, you know, making fun of that, like what's wrong with you? 
Exactly. You know, that, that's, that's, that's how the world to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, and then there's like, imagine like an old guy in his seventies. Who's like, you know, he's, he's well past his like physical prime. He's, you know, walking the dog is like great. And he sees a, a strong athlete and is like, wow, that, that guy is really good. I support him. Just appreciating excellence in its own right without any hope for emulation, but just appreciating excellence. Like yeah. that's, there, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the thing that everyone is getting on the case of other guys about doing is the pornographic or vicarious version where you could be developing excellences yourself, but instead you're wasting a lot of time and attention fanboying over some, someone else. And it's like, I think it's the, it's the exchange of time and attention uh, at the expense of your own excellence when you're like playing uh, like like fantasy football league is probably the most brazen example, but like and like, and like there's something different there um, than the appreciation of an old man who is just acknowledging excellence. Um, but in general, I think the the appreciation of excellence and the inspiration towards excellence probably outweigh that in the broader oh, yeah. cultural I, space. I, I think that, I mean, it, it, I think we need to have heroes and we need to have, we need to be able to say that we're like, well, that's, we need to be able to appreciate the good work of other men. Uh, otherwise it's, it looks like we're too insecure to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it looks like that we're well, they, uh, self-confident. The other spectrum of that, that you're talking about where the, the fanboy that got gets made, made fun of is someone who actually seems to lack self-respect in the terms that they, they become like openly, like really submissive, almost like slavish. You know, yeah. like it's, it's like it's like you're you're so amazing. That's why you're amazing. You're the goat. You're the like da 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 da. And they they just like kind of like fawn all over this other man instead yeah. of being inspired by them. Like it, it, there's there's hey man, I really appreciate what you do. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, and like like uh, that's really inspiring. It made me want to get better. It's like and I, there, if you if you have a problem with that, then fuck you. But yeah. if if you if you're if you're in a point where you're just like just idolizing this person and idolizing is okay, but like to the point where you're really, uh, I forget, I, I can't think what the right word is, but you're, I feel like you're it's like twenty or like you're really just like yeah. degrading yourself a little I feel bit. Like that's like twenty. You're degrading yourself, you know. It, it feels like like maybe twenty percent of uh, thank you for your service conversations yeah. with veterans. Can, yeah. can can get a little a little excessive to the point where the veteran is like, "This is really uncomfortable. Please stop." Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. A lot of guys don't like that anymore because it's like it's too over applied and like wait, you don't know what I did. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, like because there's you know there's a guy who worked you know like he just did paperwork in the army for like X amount of years, and then there's guys who like really saw some stuff, and uh, and so like you know it's it just uh, yeah it becomes kind of yeah. It, 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 over over applied and kind of cheap uh i think and that's the way they feel that and and respond to it in that way but right but i think that we do need men to be heroes and so like that what i'm saying you know to go out and be heroes uh you know i'm not necessarily saying what kind uh you know like you know because i wanted to be like hey i i really wanted i hope the guys use this as their pr gym song yeah. you know i don't care if you're being a hero by squatting like 315 for the first time or whatever you know like it's it's a uh, um you're doing something you're you're still trying to be excellent 
Yeah. And, and, and he- hero worship is like the, is the thing I think that this gets to gets at because yeah. it, it feels like the, the spirituality of the 20th century, the whole 20th century Western spirituality centered around the rejection of hero worship. Uh, in all forms, the the deconstruction and anyone you might look up to uh, from uh, George Washington to Michael Jackson and everywhere in between gets deconstructed. Oh, he owned slaves. Oh, he had some weird relations with certain people. And like, uh, what can we do to pick and tear by, you know, in a death by a thousand cuts, uh, every, every possible hero and, um, and destroy the possibility of, idolization mm-hmm. of any kind and, and with that comes the 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 descent of the son the descent of dad so to speak and um but i think i think after a certain amount of time without any sunlight without any heroes to to orient us because like personally when i can say i look up to christopher hitchens i look up to james Lindsay, i look up to you i look up to uh X, Y, and Z to Homer, to Greg Nash, to like these people. What do I do next is a very clear question. I know exactly what to do next. It's very orienting. Yeah. And without any heroes, without any, you know, people you can idolize, I think is a, is an appropriate word, but in a positive connotation, you become disoriented and, um, the the myth here, the return of the of the of the bulls to defend the order, it heralds the return of the sun and a return to order and a return to an understanding of what is good and what we can do in a in a way that once you once you grasp the relationship of all these things, you can feel the connection and you can feel oh yes, I, all the all this confusion and this like anxiety of, Oh, can I support this person? I don't know uh, what's going to happen in the future. It feels like we're living in a, uh, not quite a decade, but yeah, about a decade of anxiety and uncertainty that has come from this deconstruction. Yeah. Well, you started when we first started uh, this talk, you were talking about that, uh, you know, irony and that, and that, and what a poison that's become to art. And, you know, I've, I've made the comment lately and really I've been saying for years that um, you have all these, uh, you know, conservatives or whatever. I mean, I hate that phrase, but uh, it, you, uh, these conservatives and so forth who are, have become really good at comedy. They've become really good at memeing and, and they become really good at like performance comedy and like Babylon B and like all these things. Like, uh, it's like the, you can really coming from a place of relative impotence. Uh, they they they're really good at mocking the other side, but not good at producing you know anything near the passion that art that comes out of like Hollywood or like the music industry, which is all kind of the other team. And and uh, and it's because I mean they're stuck in this kind of I mean there's a little bit of sentiment there I think, but there's also um, you know just a lack of future vision and uh, a lack of the people who are really going to be to do something really, really sincere and, you know, take some risks. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, cause it's really easy to like have this smirking pose of like, I'm better than everybody else. And I mean, that, you know, like I'm a cool guy, you know, on the internet or whatever, whatever else, you know, I got a statue for profile, whatever, like I am surrounded by cool. But, and, but, and, and, but you, if you actually do something that's sincere, then, you know, you're kind of like exposing yourself to possible yeah. criticism and, 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 and saying what you really, really believe but that's also where passion and, and art comes from i mean and, and, this, and isn't it cool that we're recording this uh you know within the week that finally a conservative puts out something truly powerful with sincerity in the form of a song just a redhead guy singing a country yeah. song with his sleeping dogs and like 10 million views in a few days yeah richmond north of richmond or, or whatever it was called yeah, um, yeah, like that. That there's a there is a hunger for that sincerity. I think. Oh, I think so. I think so. And I think I think that. Well, I mean, it, it's where any kind of growth has to come from. Uh, it can't come from a place of cynicism and mocking. Yeah, you can't just be dunking on your enemies and expect to win. Uh, like, oh, like we, oh, you're so stupid. You know, like that's not going to get it done. Uh, you, you have to have a future vision and a driving passion that uh, takes you forward. And I've been saying that for a long time. And so this was really my, I'm like, okay, well, I'll put X amount of dollars and eggs in a basket and work really hard on this and uh, see what I can do. I mean, I'm not Hollywood, uh, but also try and gesture what's possible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, I'm just this guy who's written a lot of books and he's kind of good, good at giving Maximus speeches. Um, like I'm gonna, uh, and, and also I, I love, you know, having done rituals and stuff for years. It's like, I love that's, that's the job I want is doing that, that job right there. That's the job. This is my audition for the job that I want. Uh, but, uh, that, that's what I, how I want to talk. I don't like, I always joked about, I've been invited to do a lot of hotel speeches, uh, where you go to hotels <laughs> and give conferences and, uh, and I've done that and it's fine, but, uh, I want to do stuff like this. It's powerful emotionally and, and, and so forth. And, uh, I was so lucky. I mean, we haven't even mentioned it at all, but like uh, that uh, Frederick of Temple Tribe from our group, um, he did that other project into the light with Paul. And once I heard that, I was like, I think he could do this. Like I had this thing in my head and I didn't know who I was going to hire somebody or try to figure out who I could get to do it. And I was like, I think he can do this. And then I talked to him about it. And he was like, definitely he wanted to do it. And, uh, Man, he, he he knocked it out of the park. Uh, like I was blown away. You know, this is exactly what it needed to be. Um, it wasn't like oh, this is going to be good enough. You know, like this is this is exactly what it needed to sound like. And exactly, but even even down to like, you know, like I added uh, uh, Brian actually, our, our editor friend uh, in the order. He actually uh, he's like, you can. It's okay to add some extra sound effects to a video. <laughs> you know, it's different because it plays different you know you know it, they do that with music videos all the time you know but uh so i added a, a couple extra like little sound effects uh to this at, at his recommendation but i was so worried i was like if he puts thunder is it gonna be cheesy is it gonna sound like a a, a meditation soundtrack or something is it gonna be sound like, is it just gonna sound like cheesy and i don't know he picked the perfect one like right when it rolls in is like Oh shit! <laughs> you know, like, and so yeah. he did so many things right with this. It was so he, you know, he really deserves a lot of credit uh, for this because it wouldn't be as cool as it was if, if, if it. Uh, and I think it's cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, it still gets me turned up, which is cool. I mean, I've had it for like 
it's been done for, I mean, the song has been done for, I think for three months now. And then, uh, well, or most of it. And then, you know, I recorded it in the studio probably two months ago, uh, when it had it professionally recorded. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, the, you know, filming, it was the last step of it, filming and editing it. Uh, but you know, I, I hear it every day. I mean, like, and without getting weird about it, I mean, uh, it really is what I want to say. And it, I get kind of emotional about it. Like, uh, so I mean, like when I listen to it, I cried this morning when I listened to it, <laughs> like I do. And, uh, it's not embarrassing really. Cause it's like, uh, like that's, I mean it like every time. Well, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, when I listen to it, it has the, the, the words, I mean, the actual composition and the, and the performance of it is, mm-hmm. is definitely you, but the elements of it feel like these are things that you have picked up from not just other sources, but from very, very old sources mm-hmm. and are carrying forward. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't see personally any, anything weird about um i mean uh, speaking as someone who who goes back and listens to my own podcast from time to time mostly to see if i f- said anything stupid which has happened a few times um but like uh you know find you know aggregating things from the past in a way that you think will carry it forward into the future and then hearing these things that are you know from your own mouth but not you in a way they're much older and more powerful than that is yeah um, i'm not like sitting and admiring myself like oh yeah no you're you're admiring something transcendent yeah no absolutely i mean in the way that we talked about um well this is grandiose but like uh we talked about uh um things from the iliad or whatever like uh, people kind of falling into these patterns they're like speaking the words i forget which podcast that was in but uh, you were saying something like that like we're uh, you're really just filling the role yes. of the thing. Like this is the poetic form and you're filling the poetic form. Um, that's a lot of what we're doing. I mean, that's what a lot of this is. I mean, I'm, I'm like, uh, I was careful in the making of this not to make it look like I was trying to make myself seem like a god. Uh, I'm the narrator. I'm telling a story. I'm like, and the father said, I'm not the father. <laughs> you know, like I, I wanted to make that as clear as possible. Like I'm not trying to set myself up as, as that, I mean, I mean, I would love it'd be cool to play Zeus in a movie, but like, uh, you know, it, yeah. it's not, you know, like that's not what I'm doing here. I'm telling the story. I always, I, I thought of it more as being like the storyteller and uh, like the guy in 300 who comes back from battle and then, the, and then you, he kind of opens the narrative like, here's what happened, and then here, yeah. here's why it's good. You know, like here's what they did, and uh, that's the way I saw it. You know, when I was writing it and uh, and, and presenting it, it's like I'm the storyteller. I'm not. Any of the, I'm not the strikers and I'm not the father. I'm the guy who's telling the story. Uh, but well, you know, I'm kind of, I mean, caring I mean, you're, me. you're not the, you're not the, the God form of the father or the God form of the striker, but right. the idea of these, you know, ideals of these gods is to, to give form to an ideal that we can pursue. And it literally does change your body over, over time. And, and, yeah. uh, you know, the the cool thing about the the archetypes is that you know the longer you believe them sincerely the more you become them uh and you can Absolutely. notice it you can see it in 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 you and the other bulls i i see it in myself i've i've been uh i i've been told 
by my wife uh, and, you know, others. Like it, it's a it's a visual change. Uh, and it's one of the powerful things about art that is well executed and well presented in this way is that it, it has this kind of this almost almost a compulsion to excellence and to the beauty conveyed within. Yeah, I mean that's that's the goal anyway. <laughs> you know, like that's the goal of this kind of thing. But it should, yeah, I mean it, it should make you want to do something. Uh, and that's that's the goal. I mean, it's like, I mean, yeah, like I said, like, that's why it gets me because I'm like, I'm really saying, well, do something. You know, like do it. <laughs> you know, just go. You know, so yeah. yeah, I mean, it's that's that's why I think it's it's really important to me. Uh, that it gets out there. It's like, yeah, you should do it. And yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, that's, that's changed me. Cause I've seen things like that that have changed me in that way. Um, and yeah, I, and, and then I obviously had to, without getting too far into it, I, I, I had to look a certain way so that I could be this thing, this guy who delivers the speech, you know, like, cause I'm like, well, I have to compete with Hollywood and like, you're used to seeing this in a guy that's been, you know, I mean, I know the guy who trained the guys who look like this, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, like I, I, you know, like I, I, I trained, I trained with Mark Hoyt, who, who trained the guys for three hundred, uh, you know, like and uh, for to train Superman, and and so like I mean, you know, that that's a very expensive process <laughs> that, they, that they do that keeps these guys looking like that for X in looking a particular way on a certain day, uh, you know, and uh, and so there, there's they do a lot of work to make that happen. And so I, I felt like I had to do that too. So like I, I did do like I had my bodybuilding coach uh, prep me for this. You know, we spent like, you know, a couple months getting, you know, me into the best shape that I've really been ever been in my life, which is cool. Cause I was 48. And, uh, and then, you know, like we did like a bodybuilding style, you know, a, a abbreviated version because bodybuilders would be offended because there's a much worse, but uh, it's, you know, bodybuilding style, like cut for it to point where I was like, you know, the night before we filmed this, uh, you know, I, I hadn't had any water. I had stopped drinking anything at like three o'clock in the afternoon or something like that, any kind of water. And I had been having uh, like only 75 grams of carbs a day, like all week. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, we, we cut my diet really far down to like, because basically what they do is without getting too in it, we, I was drinking, we worked myself up to where I drank two and a half gallons of water uh, on Wednesday or something like that. Like basically you, you super load yourself with water and then, you know, then, then you turn it off, but your body still thinks it's super hydrated. So it just starts getting rid of it. Uh, like, and, and so you just start going to the bathroom a lot. And, uh, and, and then, uh, so it gets just the water out of your skin kind of, mm. and, and we had no carbs in there. And then, you know, we just, uh, I wasn't allowed to eat anything that whole night. And then, and I eat, I like, some people don't eat a lot and I, I eat every three hours probably, you know? So, like, so the takeaway is that there are artistic techniques for painting. There are artistic techniques for, for sculpting marble. And then there are artistic techniques for, uh, becoming a photography subject. Oh, 100%. yeah, this was the most intense. I mean, like, I get, I mean, I won't go on about it forever, but it was just like, it was like, it was like, my coach was like, I thought I was going to eat before I went to bed and I didn't. He's like, well, I feel confident that you can have oatmeal at 3 a.m. 
So I had to get up. And eat, I had to get get up and eat oatmeal at three a.m. and then go out and then and then you know like I went back to sleep for a little bit and then like uh, I, I need to get in pictures at five to see how we were doing and then oh, uh, based on that so I had a little photo shoot at five and then a little photo shoot at seven and then uh, then I got to eat weird stuff like pop tarts and and uh, waffles and things and and, and to get and like. Uh, uh, bananas and things to like rehydrate myself, but I still wasn't really allowed to have, well, it's a recarb myself, but I still really wasn't allowed to have water until the shoot. Like you could have like a little, you know, little bits of water, but you don't want to get bloated and watery looking. So I'm just full of sugar and you know, whatever. And so like, that's, that's how they do That's a, a small version of what they do for bodybuilding shows. So it's like, it's like, yeah, I felt great actually by the time I was actually giving the, you know, performing the thing. Cause I'm like, I'm like, hopped up on pop tarts and, and <laughs> stuff. But, but yeah it was a really cool process to go through um and so that was it was really uh it, it was interesting to have him do it and he really worked hard to, to work with me on it uh and uh so you know i think it's important that you do that i, th- I think i always talk about it with guys uh, you know like you kind of have to be a vessel for the message mm-hmm. and yeah. like people were going to take your message a lot more serious if you look a certain way Oh, I, I joke with my wife sometimes about uh, I, I complain about people who put up a political signs or, or any kind of of advocacy sign in their yard and their yeah. yard looks like garbage. It's like this is yeah. not sending the message you you want it to send. Right. Um, so you got to you got to follow Jordan Peterson's clean your room shtick before you uh, before you put up a vote for X person. And people, right. uh, it's a little it's a little more compelling. It's a little more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's just important that you, yeah, you, and, and especially if you're talking about higher ideals like excellence and beauty and truth and stuff like that, it's like uh, I'm not going to be the, the pinnacle of all those things uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but like you have to look like you're trying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, 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 it makes a difference because you're, you know, people look up to you in a different way. But, uh, but yeah, so it was, it was a really cool process to, to shoot it and, uh, and, and work through all that. That's and, uh, yeah. It's it brings to mind one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite books. There's a um, uh, Robert Piercing's Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, mm-hmm. as t- talks at length about all of the problems with fixing a motorcycle, and many of them are psychological. And one of the things he concludes is, um, you know, how do you how do you diagnose and fix a motorcycle? You have to be a good person um, because if you don't have if you don't have your family life in order, if you don't have your sleep in order, if you don't have all these other parts of your life in order, you're not going to be able to be in the state of mind to diagnose things properly. And, you know, the, the same is probably true with art, at least if you're trying to convey something good, you know, how do you get in that state of mind? How do you convey it properly? um, If you aren't in touch with the things you're trying to convey and probably with life more generally beyond that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it creates a sense of authenticity. I mean, I mean, art, especially acting like this. I mean, there's a little bit of uh, artifice involved, and not always. But yeah. um, well, I mean, there's the authenticity, but the, there's also the um, the 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 no the the ability to execute the technique properly. Like yeah. in your case, with with bodybuilding, it's a little bit more directly aligned with strength. But even yeah. with other artistic techniques in you know, sculpting or in music, there's there is 
proper technique. There is virtue. There is excellence in the performance of the task required to create the impression. Um, and, you know, you can't do that if you're not, uh, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not, if you're not in the habit of pursuing excellence. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, also, and you're, if you're not just, yeah, yeah, I mean, if obviously you're you're kind of a mess. I mean, a lot of rock musicians get away with it for a long time, you know, above <laughs> just being a mess. But then I got yeah, a lot true. of people singing about that too. So, like, I guess it's the same thing, uh, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, you know, for uh, you know what this is, I think, yeah, you want to try and put your best face forward, and and, and uh, you know, and I talk about that a lot too. It's like I get I get uh, kind of triggered when people are wanting everybody, everything to be real. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm like, you know, I, I went off about that the other day. Like I always say a reality is a gas station toilet. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> like, cause they're there and they're real. That's real. Uh, but, um, you know, what we talk about, especially idealism is really, well, what's the best that you can do and the best that you can do. I mean, like look at like a bodybuilder and say very similar to what I did. They only look like that for like a few hours. Right, <laughs> you know, like that's the best that they can do. The same thing, powerlifters only lift that much weight for like a few hours, yeah, and uh, with a one time or whatever. And and uh, um, you, you know, like there's you, there, there, you can be at a steady place that's good, but also like you know, like anything approaching perfection or greatness comes in like moments, yeah, <laughs> you know, well, for people. There's like what can you actually achieve, but there's also like what is your what's your orienting you know north star right. and no one's ever going to reach the north star right, right. Uh, exactly. but yeah. but you can you can at least use it to orient and there's a there's a huge difference between you know aspiring for uh you know very very nice high class city restrooms and ending up with you know, because problems and infrastructure and budget constraints winding up with gas station toilets. It's like, okay, at least people have a place to go to the bathroom right. versus, uh, well, reality is gas station toilets. So let's aspire for gas station toilets. Right. Exactly. Like I don't want to aspire for gas and, station. And toilets. that's, that, that, that's yeah. the recipe for winding up in San Francisco or, or, or worse, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's, and that's 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 very nihilistic like that's the that's the best you know reality is the crappiest thing rather than literally in this case uh then then the it's the crappiest thing rather than the best thing yeah and, well and, uh, and 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 aspiring for mediocrity and for uh, aspiring for reality as it is is a recipe for just entropy yeah like yeah well what how could we do better is really always what you should be looking at like what we do that's better and, 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 you know, like what's wrong, what are the problems, how are you going to fix them and make them better? I mean, I think that's, you know, really what idealism is and that, you know, like, I, like what is this ideal world? You know, and this ideal world, I look like that all the time. I'm actually trying to keep close to that for a while, but uh, in an ideal world, I look like that all the time because that's the, that's the ideal magical version of me. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, and that's, you know, what you want to have, I think, as as that's what you want to put out in the world is like the best version of yourself. And I think that a lot of people are into like, they want to do warts and all. Uh, and that's, what's real. 
that's how you know they're real. And I think that it, it, we, you and I could actually rabbit hole this. I mean, we're not going to do it in this podcast, but we could rabbit hole off the authenticity versus reality for probably an hour in itself. Uh, just because it's such a fine line, you know, like, yeah, like I always say with, with, uh, because I have to be grounded in reality. I like, I won't be photographed with like a weapon that I've never used or like, you know, for certain things that I'm like that, that, that is now LARPing and play acting and silliness, you know, this, that, that's just for show now, but like, I have to be somewhat like I wouldn't, I wouldn't put on a gi if I didn't do jujitsu. Like, <laughs> you know, like I wouldn't like, yeah. it, there has to be some grounding in reality, but still you also don't need to see me get choked out. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it happens. <laughs> it's happened like five times, but like, uh, uh, you know, like you know, we you'll need to see me like gurgling on the floor. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, it might be funny, but uh, you know, like it, it's just part of the the thing. But obviously, yeah, I'm going to show the best part of myself. You know, like uh, yeah, I'm professional. I don't have to show like the ups and lows, or whatever. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm doing this thing, and so yeah, you want to keep yeah putting that best part of yourself forward, I think is, is just really important. But uh, I'm trying to think, is there anything else I should, I should hit on this before we uh, uh, wrap it up? But uh, I think no. there's just a lot, I just really wanted people to see the depth in it and not yeah. just see, cause it, 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 it works as a surface level band of others, rah, rah speech, you know, well, and, and, but it, it, there's a lot more there. That, there's know? a, there's a famous line from some writer in the 1800s. He said, you know, forgive me for writing my long, my long letter. I didn't have the time to write a short one. Yes. And with these, with these very condensed art projects, whether it's a short video or a short, um, you know, a, a, a short poem, anything, anything that condensed that like Nietzschean conciseness, yeah. uh, it takes a lot of effort. We, we can come here and talk for an hour and a half, uh, fairly low effort. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, and in doing that low, this kind of low effort conversation, uh, at, at least give a taste of, of what's behind the, the short thing, hopefully yeah. without detracting any of the enjoyment of that conciseness of the, the denseness that's here. Um, and possibly even, uh, you know, expand the appreciation of that because, because there is a lot there, but, uh, yeah, it's, it is hard to to um, to consolidate things, especially for me. <laughs> well, yeah, but, uh, I mean, it is. It's uh, it's a tough thing to to boil everything down, and it's like that's one of the, it's a really fun process. I would love to be involved in making you know, or make. I don't know what the project would even be, but I would love to be involved or, or make more film type projects like this. I mean, it doesn't always have to be me giving a speech. <laughs> like there, like there, there could be actual characters and things, uh, you know. But uh, you know, that's I don't know how to write those, so I need someone else to write that. But uh, uh, I think that that's, I, I that's an art form that's really like a 20th century forward art form. But the tools that we have at our disposal to do that are so accessible now. The things that only Hollywood could do you know, X amount of years ago, I mean, I can do now, you know, like it's just about know-how and expertise and finesse, you know, uh, but the, you know, the, the lights are cheap, the, 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 you know, you, digital, there's no film, 
You know, yeah. like, uh, I mean, I have, you can set up a green screen in your own house. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I got to rent a big one for this one, but, uh, you can, uh, it's just, you just have to light it good. And, uh, and, and there's so much that you can do. And I think the opportunity to make this kind of stuff, uh, because we're, that's the thing, it, what has changed about art in the past, you know, like a couple centuries is that we didn't, we couldn't do that before. Um, you know, we hired painters to paint because we needed someone to like, you know, render reality. And now we can just capture it in film. And that, that it, it film actually changed art a lot because of that. I think a lot of what we see as non-representational art became, well, what am I going to do as an artist? Because I can just take a picture, you know, like that was a big, I think, problem that happened with, with photography happened. So it, it changed right. art, but, but we have this way that we can keep film and, and film projects like this, you can really, you can create a magical reality, you know, that isn't, it isn't quite reality, that is surreal in some way, in the way that this is. Uh, and, and it can be something different that can speak to the imagination. And yeah. I, like we are saying, that's where things I think have to come from. You have to, this is my, this is my level of my budget that I have to work with that I can do. But man, people throw so much money at such dumber things, you know. Like I, I like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I see so many people. It's like, I mean, I could have just bought, you know, like, I mean, really, for what this costs. I mean, it's not like I could have bought a car, you know. Like, uh, it, it, very little. I could have gone on a trip or something. Uh, but uh, you know, like. I see all these dudes and they're like, just, you know, like I'm a baller. I just dropped $500,000 on a car or whatever. I'm like, that's cool. Uh, you literally could have financed a movie, <laughs> like, like, but you yeah. bought a car. All right, cool. I mean, okay, cool. You showed that you can do that. That's a, that's a, that's a flex. But man, if you just took some of those guys and like, if they became interested in, Hey, can we make something beautiful in the world? I mean, that's how everything beautiful in the world came to exist, really. Almost everything. Yeah. All the great art was really some rich guy was like, I think I would like to see this in the world. And then hires the best painter he can find to make it happen. And yeah. that's, you know, like that or the best architect to the best whatever to make a thing. And that's that's how the world that's how why we have beautiful things in the world. And uh we don't have guys doing that. We have corporations that like pay and they want to make money off the building. So they just make them cheap, yeah. you know, but uh, we don't have these guys who want to, in their way, make their mark on the world. This Ozymandias kind of like thing. They're like, I want to make this big, beautiful thing, you know, and, and they use their money in that way. And the, yeah. the, whether it was the Rockefellers or like, uh, I'm trying to think uh, Carnegie, was a bit, you know, like I'm, I'm going to make a library system and, like, you know, like it's a, a university and I like all these things that they give the world. And sure, they're probably tax breaks and whatever. But, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make great things and leave them upon the world uh, that'll carry my name. And, uh, you know, I think that that's, I would love to see more men who agree with the kind of ideas we're talking about, which are not really framed aside from solar idealism as being anything specific. But, uh, you know, like, uh, whether it's strength and beauty and excellence and, and, and these kind of eternal virtues, I would love to see more men um, who have means who are good at making money, <laughs> but not good at making art. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there, there's a, there's a, a way that they can contribute to all that. And I'm not asking that for myself because I don't even know what I'd want to work on right now, 
But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I just think that there's so much of that that can be done in the world. And this was just kind of my gesture. I'm like, here's, I'm going to make the, the, the best thing that I can do and throw it out there. And then uh, hopefully it inspires other creators and other yeah. um, men who have these kind of views and ideas to do something the best that they can do or to hire someone who can do it the best that they can do, you know? So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I can't say for too much longer, but I, I will say I'm, I'm by no means rich. Um, but for my last book, I did commission a, a some original artwork, two pieces for the inside and one piece yeah. for the cover. And this, um, this inking is actually, is actually the original I came and there's like a lot of symbolism behind the vulture wings and the, the spear and the ore and the, the skull and all that. But like, there's a very, um, there's a special feeling that comes with the commissioning of a, like an original artwork from someone who really knows what you're doing and bringing this idea into visually into existence, especially like you say, when they're like, when they can see the vision and get into it as well. Yeah, um, in the in the depictions of of Achilles and Odysseus in the underworld, um, which is freaking awesome. It's such a such a great uh, artwork, and and you like you were describing with um, you know putting these transcendent ancient ideas out to the world in your own in your own words. You you feel like a like a conduit for something greater, absolutely than yourself in connection to that, which is cool, and which I think this. Um, this short little film does and brings into the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see the reaction to it and see if, if other people get it, everyone I've showed it to have been like, like they get it. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you always worry because you're kind of putting yourself out there. Like, oh, yeah. I'm going to go do a deadlift PR now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the correct response. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like that's what I want people to do. But also obviously think about the higher things and whatever, but uh, I think that there's, yeah, there's just a lot of opportunity to uh, move from there. But anyway, I know, I know you got to go and, and uh, we've, uh, this is a pretty long podcast for Pater, uh, but uh, uh, thank you for uh, being here and, and talking through this with me. Uh, you added a lot of uh, extra insight, I think, which I kind of knew you would. Uh, to, to the, the constexts of the piece and where where it fits into uh, what we're trying to accomplish and so forth. So thank you for that. And uh, anyone who uh, has seen the the film Invocation of the Storm, um, I'm open to taking questions on it. Uh, you know, and and kind of expanding on things uh, at a later date. And also, it is it is also on uh, Spotify as a single. And there is also a techno remix, which is something <laughs> I commissioned. <laughs> I was like, I want there to be a remix. I think there should be a remix. And so I commissioned like five of them and to put the best two out in the, in the world. So uh, uh, I'm excited about that. Cause it's, yeah, like we need exciting things, you know, like, like we need things. I'm like, I always joked that I'm like, if, if you could, if, you know, conservatives or whoever could come up with one thing with as much like exuberant joy as a techno song, maybe as like a, da- a dance hit or something, they'd be making some progress. In so, of, so, you know, so now I now I have to ask: Was one of the winners done by Akira the Dawn? No, oh. no, he didn't. I, I I did send it to him. <laughs> I, I said I, if if you feel I, it's a little off tempo for the kind of stuff he does. True. Uh, yeah. So I thought that I was like, who knows? But uh, I mean, he and I have had exchanges back and forth, and he he likes the kind of some of the stuff that I do. 
And uh, so I threw it out there as like, as like, if you would like access to the STEM files and like whatever, like, he, like I, you know, I, I never heard back on that, but he was working on a whole bunch of other stuff at that time. Yeah. And it was only like a few weeks ago. I was kind of looking for a Hail Mary on, because I was like, I had, I'd gotten some remixes back and I was like, these aren't exactly as good. And I'm like, I'll just ask him, I'll just throw it out there. Uh, but uh, no, the one that what, the guy killed it was actually, is actually from Indonesia. And, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he, he murdered, he, he did it. Amazing job, like a, and it, it was one from Indonesia. And I think a guy from Argentina did one that was slightly more chill. But the guy from Indonesia um, just really he got it. I mean, I don't know that he got like it was about really like the concept as much as like he got what needed to happen, mm-hmm. and he got creative with it. And you nice. can see it like there's a part where it like comes in and it builds, it builds, it builds, and then it's like it drops out and it's like. <gasps> And it's, it's like I'm like he he knew where to put he got the energy of it right so like nice. i'm like that it's like one of those things like when i hear that i laugh kind of like i'm like oh yes yeah that, that's correct <laughs> so he got it but but yeah man anyway so i'll wrap it up here uh and uh you, you can get on with life but uh uh thanks a lot and uh you know anybody has any questions like i said uh reach out and uh you know i'll try to answer them or direct you in the right place but uh thanks for watching Awesome. Thanks for having me. Pater is the cultural arm of the Order of Fire. For more, visit ph2t3r.com.